This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 42. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and this is part three of a five-part series on discipleship of our kids. Today's chat is with Kelly Miller, wife, mother, and an administrator for an online moms group called Catholic Moms Building Cathedrals. In today's episode, we're talking about encouraging kids of different ages in their relationship with Christ and training our kids in Christian virtue. As a reminder, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples or through the link in today's show notes. Thanks for listening in. Here's my chat with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Amber. I am really excited to chat with you. I am a part of a group that you started on Facebook. Um, was it? Uh, I mean, I've been a part of it for maybe a year, but I don't know how long have how how long has it been around for. I think it was started three and a half years ago or so, three or four years ago. Um, it's actually a little bit. The name comes from I used to write for a blog with uh, a group of seven Catholic mothers who all we all knew one another from our time in undergrad at Princeton University. And we started blogging when we had young kids, I want to say in 2008. Um, And we blogged, you know, multiple times a week and had a number of followers. And it was a nice little community online. And then a lot of things started to move over to Facebook. And a number of us had older children, so it it just became a little harder to write regularly about motherhood as there's, you know, privacy issues and just certain things you no longer want to share or write about or can't really bounce off other mothers in the same type of public way as sure. children go from trying to potty train to being teenagers and high schoolers and dealing with um, growing up, you know, in that sort of last phase of living in your home. So we shut the blog down a few years ago, and um, it was around that time that I started the uh, Catholic Moms Building Cathedrals page to just keep a forum for Catholic uh, mothers to discuss and bounce ideas off of one another and just share things, you know, interesting news articles, great pictures of their kids, you know, share joy, struggles everything that we were sort of doing on the blog, but in a more informal way and shorter, you know, not full articles or anything like that. So that was kind of the, the, uh, I guess, inspiration behind the the group. It existed, I guess, a bit before then. And a few of the mothers that uh, wrote on that blog are in our Facebook group, and some of them are not, they're not even on Facebook. So that's kind of where it came from. That's great. I love it. And I love the name Catholic Moms Building Cathedrals. It's perfect. Was that the name of the blog as well? The name of the blog was just called Building Cathedrals. And um, it comes from, you know, the idea that we're, as mothers, we're sort of working in secret to help mold our children in a way that, you know, they are going to be a small piece of this great cathedral here on earth with our work. And um, we're paying attention to all the tiny details and just working, doing work that in many ways only God will see. 
So the, the makers of the cathedrals of old, you know, they're up in the corner or the rafters and they're, they're making every inch and space beautiful. But uh, most of the public never notices what they're doing, uh, but it was their life's work. So that was the inspiration for the name behind the blog. And I just kind of rolled it over to the Facebook page. Wow. I love that. That's really beautiful. And, and so true. I love what you said about you know, those that are building the cathedral have these beautiful, intricate details that most people will never see. Um, but that's, that's beautiful. I think that's a, uh, a really nice, uh, vision for motherhood as well. Yeah. I, we, we all liked it, you know, a number of years ago, a, a lot of the mothers liked it. And I think that that's one of the hard things, you know, most of us went from being in an academic institution and, you know, dealing with, you know, these public debates and arguments and kind of listening and learning. And then some of us are doctors and lawyers and, you know, or we're trained to have a business background and to go from that to being at home and having things be, you know, it's, it's very quiet. Um, to go from that to, you know, being at home with, uh, with young children, it's, can be very lonely. Uh, most of the work you do is um, not noticed, but very important, uh, very important work. And, you know, that was just that name and, and kind of that theme seemed really appropriate for what we were trying to do with the blog at that time. Hmm. Beautiful. I love that. Uh, well, maybe I'll take a little step back and um, you could just start off by telling us a little bit about you and, and your family. Okay. Um, well, I'm almost 40. I am turning 40 this year. And um, I am um, a convert of sorts to Catholicism. I uh, was raised in a evangelical church uh, near uh, my home in New Jersey where I grew up. And I went to Princeton. Uh, I was an athlete there. I played field hockey. Um, our team was very strong. I spent many, many years and hours, you know, training and playing with some of the best competition in the country. Uh, and when I got to Princeton, I, um, just met a lot of different, really interesting people that challenged my faith in new ways and got me reading. And I started reading a lot about the early church and the church fathers. And, um, my junior year, I, came fully into the church. I was actually baptized Catholic. So, um, I'm, I'm technically not a convert, but, um, I received all my sacraments and was confirmed at the Easter vigil in the chapel at Princeton, uh, which was really special. And, um, we actually had a, a the students talk to the administration. And during my time there, we wound up getting a, um, an adoration chapel put in to the university chapel. It's in like a side room. Wow. Um, so there was a tabernacle there and, um, and it was, you know, open at any time to go in and pray. And that was really special. And we had daily mass there and I met, there was a wonderful, both evangelical and, um, Catholic community on the campus at Princeton. Uh, those were kind of my, that was my community, my really close friends. Um, and I was my husband. Um, I, I actually know from we met in sixth grade, so we grew up. Wow. <laughs> we grew up in uh, the same area of New Jersey and went to high school together. And we're from a very large town, though, so we didn't know one another very well until senior year when we kind of fell into the same crowd. And um, and he uh, 
he was born, he's a cradle Catholic, but uh, he got pretty serious about his faith in college as well. And so our, uh, after I came fully into the church my junior year, uh, he proposed and we got married. And a number of my uh, friends from Princeton were all seriously dating uh, guys I knew in our Catholic community and getting married. And, um, and we started, you know, to have children pretty young. So we kind of all had a bond with one another that we were, you know, newly married right out of college and having children. Um, I have had, uh, I had uh, seven children. My, my oldest actually um, passed away at birth. Uh, so I have six living children and my oldest is heading to high school this fall and my youngest is two and a half. So um, I have four, four girls and two boys. And my husband uh, went to law school with me uh, after undergrad, and he is a patent attorney and works in Philadelphia. Um, and we live in the Philadelphia area, and we are both both. My husband was an athlete as well, so we're both very involved in a lot of stuff with youth sports. Our kids are very involved in youth sports. My husband, it's mainly with baseball. Uh, he's coached for six years and on our little league board and. And I, um, I'm on the board for field hockey and coach that and, you know, our kids play, you know, tons of sports. So we see that as a way our family is very involved in the community and can reach out to other families and, you know, get to know people and, and be a good witness for our faith and beliefs. Um, we're very busy and active with so many. It's really crazy to have older kids and younger kids at the same time. Um, but also very blessed. Hmm. That's great. Are you, so are you a stay-at-home mom now, or do you practice law at all? Still? I am at home, yes. So okay. I struggled to finish up law school. I think I, I graduated uh, right right before having my second, uh, wow. my second baby. And, um, and then I actually had, because we lost our first daughter at birth, I had her my first year of law school, and then I had my daughter – Gianna, my oldest, my second year of law school. And then I did take a little time off. And then I had my son, Charlie, right after my final third year of law school. So it was sort of a joke amongst law school friends that I was basically pregnant the entire time I was in law school. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) um, Yeah, no, I did. I, you know, I worked, I did some internships and summer jobs and those sorts of things. But um, I, you know, I was already mothering two young children by the time I had my degree, and it was another year before I actually got it together to study for the bar. Uh, and then, you know, more children came. So we've, I am home full time. I've done a wide array of things in terms of uh, homeschooling, sending certain kids to school. So we've been, I feel like I've been so busy for the past 14 years. Um, I don't even know how. I would have had any time to work, but I am I am blessed to be at home with my children and um, and able to focus on their formation and education with you know almost a hundred percent of my time. Great, I love that. Um, and I actually used to live uh, near the Philadelphia area as well. I I served with the Jesuit Volunteer Corps in um, North Camden, so oh. I was right by the Ben Franklin Bridge there. <laughs> So that's a few miles from our house. I could walk there. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's such a, I I really loved my experience on the East coast. So that's a a fun, fun place to live. Where are you now? Are you in the Midwest or? Yes. I'm in Ohio, the Dayton, Ohio area. So 
I hear it a little when you talk because my my husband and I actually went to law school in Michigan. So oh, okay. when you were talking, I was like, I wonder if she lives in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've we've been in Ohio for about a year. And before that, we were in Minnesota for six years. So okay, uh, yeah, just in, in this area. But great. So uh, Kelly, I wanted to ask you, what comes to your mind when you think about how you personally live out the Great Commission as a mom? Um, I mean, I think it's really, it, it touches on a lot of the themes we've already talked about. Um, you know, my vocation is a wife and mother. And the most important thing I can do for the faith and in fulfilling my vocation is to raise my children to be servants of God and to love, honor, and serve God with their lives. And then they will go out and, you know, fulfill their great commission uh, before God. And so it's a way of multiplying the effort that I put in by putting it into them. Um, you know, we have a real, a family first philosophy in that we try very hard in raising the kids to make our family the center point of all decisions that we make. Um, and regarding our faith, I mean, obviously our faith is the foundation of our family. And so just really taking care to make choices for the family and for children that make the faith the center of what we're doing and the reason why we're doing what we're doing. Um, You know, I'm not, I haven't been in a phase of life for many years where I can take on a lot of service uh, outside of my family work. Um, I know everybody is different. You know, some people are called to have smaller families. They have one or two children and I have many children and I've spent many years being pregnant. And so our home light, our home and focusing on the home is where uh, God has called me. And that that has been very hard, I think, having come from um, a background of going to an Ivy League school and being a very serious athlete and being used to, you know, running ministries and running women's prayer groups and Bible studies and when I had a few small children, I was still able to do those things. My husband and I ran the pre at our parish, and he taught RCIA classes, and we had a prayer group that met here every week. And And the more children we've had and, and the more responsibility we've taken on in our family, the more we've extended ourselves there, the more careful we've had to be to continue to keep the focus on our faith and forming our family in the faith and knowing that at some point, that will multiply. And so I would say that is how I keep God's call to the Great Commission to go forth and and make disciples of all nations is I start with my children and making sure that that is in order. That's beautiful. I love that. I I feel like so many people can really, I know I personally can relate to um, going to school and getting a degree and, you know, being in the work, I was in the workforce for a little bit. And then um, starting a family and not having the time for ministry, um, not having the time to lead the Bible studies or small groups that that I used to. Um, so I, I love what you're saying about starting with your kids and just making that, making your faith the center of your family and having that flow into them so that they could live out their great commission. I think that's beautiful. 
And it goes back to what you said earlier about, you know, the building, the cathedrals and how a lot of that isn't seen, but um, it's important work. So that's beautiful. I'm, I'm excited to ask you about this because you have a, a two-year-old and a high schooler. So I wanted to ask you about introducing your kids to Jesus and what that looks like for different ages. And since you have the full gamut, <laughs> you can tell us a little bit about, about what that has looked like over the years. Um, yes, it looks very different with the different, um, with the different ages. Um, I mean, I think for really young kids, you know, we just, we try to have, um, a crucifix in every room, a crucifix over their crib, over their changing table, pictures of the saints and, um, Mary, you know, in, in, in view or able, they can, where they can touch them and feel them. And I remember when my oldest was, you know, one, she was 12 months old and I would have her on the changing table and I would change her diaper and she would stand up and she would say, I kissed Jesus. And she would give Jesus on the, you know, on the cross, she would, she would kiss him. Hmm. And I think, you know, for, for real young kids, it's, you know, it's those visuals, it's the routine. We do a ton of, you know, board books and, you know, tactile things like rosaries that are large with the beads where they can, you know, hold them while you pray. They don't really pray or they kind of run around and they're a little distracting, (laughs) but, you know, just in their own way, that's, it's, it's everywhere in our house. So it's not like, oh, now we're going to do religious instruction. It's just a part. It's, it's our art. It's our, you know, it's on the walls. It's, we have cartoons that are, you know, teach the faith. There's books that teach the faith. And we just try to infuse their life with those things. Um, And then as they get a little bit bigger, and then obviously things like mass and trying, I know it's very hard to bring young children to mass. um, But when my older ones were the only children we had, we made an effort to try to, we got dressed up. You know, even my sons have not minded looking fancy for Jesus and going to mass and going as a family and it's only an hour um, each week and making a big deal of that, making a big deal of Sunday, you know, there's, there's treats, there's donuts, like having the fun things, the happy things in their life be about the faith, be exciting. Um, and then from there, and of course, music, my husband's very into music, to music, but then also just being familiar with the music of the mass, listening to that. Um, having the kids get excited about it. My, my kids love music. So we try to sit near, uh, the choir and if there's a mass with like an orchestra or a big drum or something, you try to go to that. So, so they see it as something special and exciting. Um, and then as they get a little older, I would say around four to five, we start with some more formal, uh, religious instruction, basic catechism questions. Like kids can learn to memorize, like, why did God make you? And they give the answer and we'll just do that after dinner. And those basic old school Baltimore catechism kind of questions, you know, when, when, you know, recite the 10 commandments. And by the time our kids are six, seven years old, they can go through all 10 commandments and explain what they mean. Um, so my husband kind of jokingly calls this kitty catechesis. Um, and you know, the older kids are kind of entertained by the younger kids going through the same process. Uh, and then as they, you know, get a little older, it's, you know, preparation for, you know, First Holy Communion is an opportunity to like really talk about 
you know, forgiveness and penance and, you know, Christ's sacrifice on the cross and the Eucharist and what that means. And, and, and then from there, and then as the kids get older, you know, my older two, I have a middle schooler and now a high schooler, uh, the faith formation is much more intellectual with them. Uh, we give them a lot of different things to read and then we have discussions about it and we talk about it. There's so many good resources. I couldn't even begin to go through all of them, but we, we've made an effort to stock our bookshelves with, you know, just really great books. Um, Amy Wellborn has this great book of saints, uh, for children that, um, we get, you know, kids as early as like third grade can start to read that. And it gives a lot of really great information about the lives of all the different saints. Um, and then my daughter, we have a subscription to First Things. And she's, you know, in high school now. So she's able to read that and ask us questions. And last, you know, six months ago, she read something about Vatican II. And it started this entire conversation and us finding more things for her to read. And um, But I just think that constant dialogue and, you know, a spirit of, humility and always wanting to learn about the faith are extremely important and then providing the kids with the resources to do that. Um, so I think that's, you know, from an intellectual perspective, that's kind of from the very beginning, you know, it's very simple all the way up till high school. And then obviously, you know, emphasizing the importance of we, we, we're one of the families who we don't pray the rosary together uh, in that it's really long. So it's it's very distracting with my younger ones and the older ones. So we just try to do a decade uh, in the evening, which is it takes five minutes, just mm-hmm. refocuses things on our faith. Um, and then, um, you know, with the kids, with their own personal prayer time, encouraging them to do an examination of conscience in the evening before they go to bed, to say their prayers privately. You know, with the little ones, we always – my husband and I t- or I tuck them in and we do prayers with them at the side of their bed. Um, and then by the time they're seven, eight years old, they're expected to go through that, you know, think about their sins, ask for forgiveness for the day for their sins, ask for protection for a good night's sleep and, you know, ask for a special grace to have a, a good day the next day. And they kind of go through that routine on their own by the time they were about seven or eight years old, I would say right around first Holy communion time. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the philosophy we've had, and I, I mean, I think it's worked really well. My my older children seem to really be excited about their faith and interested, and have you know tons of questions. And um, yeah, it's for us that that's the system has worked, so to speak. But I mean, I don't think there's just one way to do it. You know, I'm not saying our way is the only way. That's just what we've done, and it's felt right. Right, I love that, and um, wow, that's. So, so many, so much great information there. Um, I'm thinking like for, for where I'm at now and for moms who are maybe like still in the early years, um, it can feel like overwhelming, like, oh, I, I have to incorporate all these things into my day and, um, and figuring things out. Did you, do you feel like you had a particular strategy that you used or uh, particular, I know you said there have been a lot of resources that you've used, or has it been something where you've just kind of built it, built on it over the years? I think it's been built on over the years. You know, so if you have young kids, they're maybe two and four years old. My, and I was going to just start from scratch, start from nothing at two to four years old. I would say start with a lot of really, um, really great books. And 
purchase some, you know, Tommy DePala has some amazing picture books about the faith. I would, his drawings are great. They almost look like a kid drew them. My kids have always been very attracted to them. But start with those and start with taking time every day to just read, read about the faith with your kids. And that might involve like, I just put my two-year-old down for a nap and we read Tommy DePala's Angels, Angels Everywhere book, you know, and there's just angels on each page, like the kitchen angel, the get dressed angel. And she just enjoys pointing out what's happening in each picture. And there's not a ton of formation happening there, but what is happening is this idea that there are angels all around us and angels can protect us anywhere and angels can help us with anything is, you know, that is being reinforced with her as we read this angel book. So that's just like a very simple example. But if you have a bookshelf of 10 to 20 great books that are of the faith and you make an effort to spend 20 minutes a day reading those with your kids, that's going to go a long way, I think, to introducing them toward to our faith, to Jesus, and to the truth. And then from there, I would my next thing would be to say, try to understand our liturgical year and see how you can make your family life more in line with what is exciting about our faith. So make the faith exciting for the kids with just by living liturgically. So make Sunday a big deal. It's the Lord's Day. Make it a habit to go to Mass as a family, to get dressed up, to have special things. Kids love sweets. Sunday is a big sweets day in our house. Bake something. Make a nice dinner. You know, I love wine. We open a bottle of wine. Make that special because it's the Lord's Day and you're celebrating that. Kids love celebrations. So see, you know, we are a culture that celebrates birthdays and we celebrate the 4th of July. There's so, if you think about with your family, all the things you celebrate and that you make really fun, well, try to take some of those things and maybe tone them down a little bit and make a big deal about the faith-based things. So kids come to see the faith as a joyful celebratory thing because it is. And it gives them that positive association where it isn't this thing that's annoying or an obligation or it's boring, but it's like, no, this is the reason mom's doing all this great cooking. So that those would be the two things. I would say great books and then trying to make celebrations out of the Lord's Day on Sunday and our liturgical calendar. I love that. Those are great suggestions. I also love how you mentioned you were talking earlier about making for the little ones, especially when they're still babies, you know, being changed, um, almost like your home, an extension of the church with crucifixes and images of the saints um, that they can hold or look at. Um, I think that's really beautiful and a great reminder that um, that even for our small little ones, we can, we can incorporate things that are going to um, just impact them in little ways that we might not even know, just seeing a crucifix in their room or every room they go into. Um, I really loved that you said that. Uh, for the kitty catechism questions that you had mentioned, um, is that, do you use like a, do you actually use the catechism or do you have like a, a kid's catechism where um, there's question prompts? I, we use, my husband actually over a long period of time has compiled his own 
kitty catechesis card where he has like the main things that he wants the kids to learn by the time they're seven, by the time they're 10, there's different. And a lot of them are just things to memorize. Um, They're just talking points to go over with the kids uh, and make sure that they understand them. But then that they also, they're, you know, why did God make you? Like kids, kids should just, you know, in his mind, they should just know that. Mm -hmm. And they should be able to just recite a simple answer to it, but then also understand what that answer means. And he has created a card of those things, but he based that card off of, I think just the catechism. I would, I would actually have to ask him. I don't know. He's kind of, that's his thing, that Sunday uh, family catechism. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I kind of just sit back and enjoy it and relax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can't, I can't say exactly where he came up with all of that, but I should maybe get him to, uh, to share it because it seems like it's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's great. If he'd be open to it, I, I'm sure I would love to have it. <laughs> I'm sure other listeners might as well, but um, yeah, that, that's great. Um, so I guess this goes along the same lines, but do you feel like there are any particular strategies, uh, that you've used for helping your kids grow in Christian virtue? Well, one of the things on his catechism card is memorizing, um, the virtues, um, and having the kids be able to explain what they are. Um, it's hard to grow in a virtue if you don't know it's a virtue and you don't know what it is. So, you know, our eight-year-old knows what fortitude is and knows it's a virtue and knows examples of how to practice that in her life. So I think that we're a little bit academic or intellectual with the way we present it and that we want the kids to understand what virtue is, what the different virtues mean, and then give them very specific ways in their life on how they can practice that. Um, That's from a intellectual standpoint. From a practical standpoint, I think that the hardest part about teaching virtue to kids is that you have to be really disciplined and consistent yourself as an adult in in helping them practice virtue. Um, when you are, we are all busy people and um, it is just so hard to follow through and be consistent with whatever it is you're trying to teach your kids. And virtues are, you know, they have to be practiced. And bad habits form very quickly. So, you know, I I always joke when, when my kids were younger, I had this problem with um, no one would put their shoes away. And so shoes would just pile up. They would be all over the house and it would be time to go somewhere. And inevitably, someone could not find one of their shoes or both of their shoes. I, I have instances where they left the house with no shoes and it was like, <laughs> because we had to be somewhere. And so they just put socks and I carried them out to the car and, oh my goodness, I was so frustrated. And the fact is, is that we had, we didn't have a good place for everyone to put their shoes. Not everyone had a set spot for their shoes. So part of it was me as an adult, I had to realize I have to give them a space, right? Like I have to show them how to do this and give them a space on where to do it. And then I have to go over the routine with them. Okay. So that's like you practice the virtue. You teach them what fortitude is. You show them examples of how they do it. And then the really hard part as a parent is 
when their shoes don't go back in there, I have to stop what I'm doing every time and remind them to go pick up their shoes and put them back in their cubby that I had given them for their shoes. And that has to happen not when we're about to leave, but when I'm in the middle of cooking dinner and, you know, Josie's shoes are in the middle of my kitchen floor because that's where she took them off. I have to take a second and make sure me or somebody else walks her over and puts those shoes away. And so that's the hard part. And that's the same thing with, you know, the virtue of fortitude is we have to take a moment when that child didn't practice fortitude to walk them through at that moment how to practice it and then either to have a consequence because they failed to practice it or a reward because they did. And that's the really hard part. And the fact is, is you could do this really well for weeks and weeks and now suddenly every time you're leaving the house, everyone's shoes are right where they're supposed to be in the cubby. And you take a few days off and all of a sudden you go to leave and Josie's shoes are, one of them's in her room and Claire's one of them's in the bathroom and you have, you're back to, you've fallen so far. So I think that that's the same thing, um, you know, with virtue is that it has to be taught. You have to continually walk the kids through it and you have to be personally disciplined to be willing to make a sacrifice and stop what you're doing to reinforce it again and again. And while they do move in that direction, it doesn't take a lot to fall right back, if that makes sense. Mm. That's great. I love those practicals. I feel like I'm already even seeing how this will benefit me. <laughs> I, uh, I I just think about my own kids and, um, you know, we've instituted a system now where uh, we have, you know, toy bins and we pull one toy bin out at a time. And then at the end of the day, when we're done playing, we put all the toys back in the toy bin and then they can pick a new toy bin the next day. And um, But sometimes, you know, it gets to be so late and you think, I think, okay, I'll just do it myself this one time. But <laughs> I love the practical of, you know, you need to continually that's the difficult part for us is that, um, it's, it's a learning process for them. And so you have to keep, um, keep working with them through that. So that's, that's great. Um, the practicals of going through, um, what the virtues are and when you go through, um, the items from the catechism, is that something you guys do at meals or, um, is there a certain kind of day? I know that, um, you said some of your kids are homeschooled and some have gone to school. So I wasn't sure if you had a particular schedule for that. So um, I know that, um, you know, like the cardinal virtues, for example, um, or like the corporal works of mercy or something like that. My husband would go over those and teach those right after, uh, usually on Sundays after dinner. Um, and that's, that's kind of formal. Uh, that's more formal instruction. Um, but in terms of like practicing virtue, um, you know, so much of that now, especially with the older kids, it's what a virtue that one child needs to work on comes very easily to another Hmm. and, you know, and vice versa. Right. So, um, I think that it's a lot more individual, um, in the effort that has to be made with each child to be disciplined and follow up. And, and I'll be honest, it's, it's very difficult because there's so many of them and they're, they have so many different needs. And I think that's one of the challenges I didn't expect with having so many children and having such a wide, wide age span is that my teenagers really need a lot of follow up on things that I thought they would have mastered by the time they were 10. <laughs> mm, yeah. So 
we were just joking about how their brains are going a million miles a minute and you know they still don't rem- like they want to bake you something but they won't clean any of it up you know and you'll have to ask them four times to clean up different things cuz they'll keep getting distracted by the next great idea that has popped into their head and from what i hear from other parents that is just still very normal teenage behavior um and so to be doing that and then helping you know Josie find her shoes and remember to put them <laughs> away it just it becomes a lot and um and i think that you know that's where we need to have grace <laughs> because it's kind of you just i need more more patience um and then also just more grace that each child is going to learn these things in the timetable that god has called them to learn and they all have to make that personal effort and you just need a lot of grace to have it all kind of come together uh, mm-hmm. and have enough effort and energy for all of it. Uh, but it is as soon as you stop following up on something, it, that's when, you know, there's regression or the virtue doesn't doesn't happen. So uh, it doesn't develop. So it's kind of, it's a challenge. <laughs> um, but in terms of, um, I don't remember what the, I think it was, we did more formal stuff, I know, with our Sunday catechism. And then the rest of that is just like, informal and following up on. Um, but working with the kids too, like communicating with them, you're really good at this and you need work at that. Um, and there's a really good book. Um, I think it's, uh, it's an, it's actually an Opus Day book and it's on basically teaching, helping your children practice the virtues and teaching your children the virtues. Uh, I don't know the name of it. I, maybe I'll have to shoot you an email to follow up and tell yeah, you Yeah, that it. sounds good. I can link it in the show notes. I know what it looks like. It's like a blue book. I can picture the cover, but I'm not remembering the name of it right now. But I, I found it very, just a good, like, to read through it and get some ideas. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's good. I love that. Um, so with everything that's going on with um, the different ages of kids and, you know, with how many kids you have, uh, I could imagine, because I'm already overwhelmed with my two kids, <laughs> that it can feel overwhelming sometimes. And thinking about, you know, again, the cathedral and, you know, the small detailed work that's important, but nobody sees. Um, I, I find it easy to become discouraged. I don't know if you have experienced that yourself. Um, but if you have in, the, in that, um, in, in raising your kids, is there something in particular that has helped you have the I guess, energy <laughs> and um, uh, perseverance that you need for that? I do find myself getting discouraged. Um, I think I think it's hard because, you know, I have a lot of kids that are out and that are in school and, you know, my oldest is heading off to high school and she's just involved in a lot of activities within the community. And it is hard to find, to relate to other people in that I, I feel like, what what I find most discouraging is just the things that I am valuing or I find important. I don't I don't feel a lot of support in those I interact with on a daily basis in that they're valuing the same thing, if that makes sense. So then I find that discouraging. I find having to fight battles that I almost feel like I shouldn't have to be fighting on behalf of my kids. I find that discouraging. Yeah. So I think you know, I do, I do struggle with discouragement and usually it comes from being overwhelmed and also feeling like I don't really have the community support that I want. Um, and you know, the, my response to that 
uh, if I'm in a good place and have talked to a priest or am, am thinking clearly is that there's just so much grace needed to in our role as mothers. There's so much we cannot mm-hmm. control. There is only so much we can do. And just knowing that if I give my best and I rely on God for the rest, mm-hmm. it is enough. Um, and so I pray a lot to just have like a holy detachment from anything beyond my best effort. Um, having a being able to acknowledge what my limitations are as a mother, how much I am capable of accomplishing. I, I am an energizer bunny. I have a lot of energy, but even my energy runs out. And, you know, it's it's a gift that I have. I am a high energy person, but it's still not enough. I still need God. I can't do it all. And there is tons of things that I feel like fall through the cracks or I wish I had time to do or energy and I don't. And so to have a healthy reliance on that grace and a healthy detachment from the things that are beyond my mm-hmm. best effort. Um, and that's a real you know, struggle for me personally as a mom. I know we all have our, our different struggles, but for me, that, that is very real. And that is something I have to kind of ask for help with every day. Um, you know, cause it'll keep you up at night, all the things you wish you had done or that your kid might need or that you could have done. And it's just, it's only possible to do so much. That that's helpful. Yeah, so, that's yeah. helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I think that is a, a struggle that, um, a lot of moms encounter. So, um, I appreciate you sharing that. And also I love what you were saying about, having putting in your best effort and then having that holy detachment like lord this is <laughs> this is what i've done i've done my best and um i think that's great for me to remember as well so that's great um so kelly how would you say you have seen the lord at work in your life the last year so i have kind of a crazy story uh, great that when I saw <laughs> this question i was like oh my gosh i get to tell this story um but we have had a little bit of a, a, a year of transition. Um, we, um, I went from homeschooling most of my kids to putting most of my children into school uh, after when I was with the birth of my sixth, just because it was uh, too much for me to be doing so many different ages and, and having a baby at the beginning of the school year. It was tough. And then there was a lot of upheaval at our uh, at our parish school where my kids were, and for a number of different reasons, it wasn't really the best fit for for my different kids. And obviously, going from homeschooling to being in school is a challenge. So after the second year, with first year, most of my kids were there. The second year, all my school age kids were there. Um, we made the really difficult decision last summer to withdraw our, our kids without a clear plan. <laughs> um, I thought I would probably homeschool some. I've had a, my one son has had a lot of health issues, so that was a part of the decision. It was a very complicated decision, um, but God made it very clear that that school was not going to work for uh, for my my children anymore, and so we withdrew them without a great plan. Now, my daughter was going into eighth grade, and most Catholic schools don't take eighth grade transfers. So um, she made the decision, very. she was very confident in it, that she was going to go to our eighth grade, our public school for eighth grade. 
And, um, and she had a wonderful year. She really thrived there and mm-hmm. apl- applied to our, the Catholic high school and received a beautiful scholarship um, and is going to be back in Catholic school again next year. So that was, that worked out really well. And there was a new Catholic school that we had heard a lot of really positive things about. Uh, it was academically very strong uh, that I had my son, uh, he's going to be a seventh grader. I had him apply to for sixth grade. And he's my kid who I can kind of, I, I always joke if there was some type of war and I had to like, all of my children couldn't stay with me and I had to send one off into the wilderness to survive, I would pick this child. <laughs> he would not only survive, but be like spying for the enemy and like gathering supplies while he was <laughs> highly uh, capable kid. So I, um, you know, I called the school, we went through the interview process, he applied and, um, the principal called me and just said that um, she she saw in his essays on the application that we had that he was from a big family. So she started asking me some questions about the other kids, and I was explaining to her that we had had this really tough year and some of the issues we had had with the other school, but then also how my one son had been ill and it had been a financial burden with all the medical bills, and then to have all the kids in Catholic school, it was just too much money. And my one son who was sick needed to be homeschooled because of all the medical stuff going on. And she just said, you know, your son's application is really strong. How about he applies for this special scholarship? So I said, okay. So he applied and he he received a full scholarship to this. Wow. And she called me up to tell me he received the scholarship and then asked me to send her one of my other kids because we were going to put the money into sending one kid. So I picked my kindergartner because she wasn't reading. And I find teaching, reading, homeschooling very tedious. So um, so I sent my kindergartner and sixth grader off to this brand new school. And um, and I homesch- was going to homeschool my fourth and second grader. And my eighth grader went to public school. Well, midway through the year, my second grader is very social. And she was sick of being homeschooled. <laughs> she was asking you to go to school. So we kind of held her off and we said, you're going to go next year. Because her sister, my, my oldest, got such a great scholarship to the high school. I was like, we can put some money into sending you. So we agreed to send her. But I was still going to homeschool my son who has the medical issues. And he has a few learning uniquenesses as well. And it was just really challenging. And I'm very tired. And to have kids in all these different schools and now be homeschooling and the baby, I was feeling very overwhelmed. So I wrote... Um, I, I made a donation to the Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, they actually prayed for me when we lost our first baby, and they prayed my oldest daughter, Gianna, into existence um, and prayed for me my whole pregnancy. And I wrote on the card that I had um, for my prayer intention. I said, please pray for the um, educational, especially the financial provision for the educational needs of all of my children. And I wrote everybody's name. And um, and I mailed it off with our donation. And um, a few weeks later, I was in the car pickup line for my sixth grader and kindergartner. And the school principal comes up and knocks on my window. And this is like a pretty big school. So it's not like I know her very well. You know, sure. I mean, Charlie got a scholarship, but I don't know her that well. So she knocks on the window and she said, I know you've had a year, like quite a year or two with your one son. And she said, I have an idea uh, for him and I'd like you and your husband to come in and meet with me. So we 
scheduled a meeting and we, my husband and I are just thinking, you know, the school's really challenging and he's going to miss tons of school because of his medical issues. And then he struggles to go back and forth, missing school and being in school. And so, um, we just didn't really know what idea she could come up with that would work. So, uh, we go to this meeting with her and they have a new special program from the County, a reading program that is perfect for him. So she told us about that. And then she basically said that she had called the county and that with his medical issues, that once he misses a certain number of days of school, it will trigger, if I get this paperwork filled out by our doctors, it will trigger the county to provide home tutoring at my house for free with their curriculum. Oh, wow. And so whether he comes 10 days or 110 days, he'll learn what the kids here are learning, even if it's at your house, but now you'll get all these services from the county because I'm going to set that up and because you're a big Catholic family and we want to encourage, we want to encourage that I'm not going to charge you any tuition for him. Wow. Oh my goodness. I, I was crying. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. So, um, so now, uh, my, uh, four children are all going to be at this school where we've had a great, where we had a great experience last year. And my son, who has had the health issues, is very excited to try going back to school and really excited that everyone there seems to understand what his background is and is willing to like work with us when he misses school. And my oldest is thrilled about her scholarship and excited to go to Catholic high school. And next year will be the first year in many years I'm not really homeschooling anybody and I'm home with the baby. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's amazing. God's providence. And wait, oh, the best part is I got home. And what was in the mail? A thank you note from the sisters. Oh my goodness! <laughs> have have you have you told the sisters yet? <laughs> I actually started to write a letter to tell them, and it keeps getting interrupted. But I, my plan is to write them a full letter with the whole story as a, as a thank wow. you. Um, and my my son, who's the first one at the school, my my now he's now rising seventh grader. He was funny. He's like, "Well, don't ask them for anything else, mom. Like, don't take advantage." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. funny. Yeah. Wow. So that's kind of an, I feel really just, we've had all this transition and uncertainty and the whole thing has worked out in such a, it's been, it's such a better situation for the whole family, the way everything has worked out, um, that it just, it feels like the hand of God kind of pushed everything in this one direction and, and everything worked out. And I just, I feel, I still feel kind of overwhelmed with gratitude for the whole thing. So that's my my crazy story that I was excited to tell. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I I it's so great to hear about the power of prayer and prayers answered in ways that we don't expect. That's really beautiful. Um so Kelly, what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? I you know, this was the question I found this really hard. Um <laughs> I, I like each part for it's like what it is. I mean, there's there's some parts of my house I don't like. Um, but I mean, my top, I'll, I'll give you my top three. Uh, yeah, that I'm going to go good. first with my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, that's great. We got it redone with like a master bath added, which we'd never had. We had all these kids. We were all sharing one tiny bathroom. So um, wow. about 18 months ago, we put in a master bathroom and redid the kids' hall bath. And I just, my bedroom is not very big. I live in a, a home that was built in 1899 to 1900. So it's this old Victorian. But 
my my bedroom is now it's like all been redone we got the you know we got crown molding put into it and i have a it's a very small bathroom but it's mine and it's private and it's my favorite color <laughs> and it's just simple like i don't have much even hanging on the walls it's just a very simple peaceful space um and i really like my bedroom and bathroom so uh that is up there on the list. Um, and then our school room is this, it's just a great room. It has a, it's kind of like a sunroom, but it's a, it's a real room, but it's like an octagon off the back of the house that goes with the Victorian look of the home and it's all windows and it's just really bright and sunny. And my kids all learn to read in that room. Um, and so I really, I just, there's children's artwork hanging all over and, um, and I really like that room. And then our dining room. We made a decision to not have a kitchen table in our kitchen. Uh, we have an island. And then we all eat in the dining room. And so we have a great big table in there because there's so many of us. And, uh, yeah, I really, I just really like our dining room. It's, it's spacious and it's, it, I love our dining room furniture. And I love that we use our dining room every day. And it's just a really comfortable, nice room when we're all in it. So I would say those three rooms. That's great. And I, I love, uh, I was going to ask you about that if you had a separate school space. So it's interesting they have the separate dining room and then a space where you do schoolwork um, as well. That's a separate room. That's neat. Um, and what have you been loving recently? Um, what have I been loving recently? Um, so I... I've been loving my new gym membership. <laughs> oh, great. And this this may sound uh, crazy, but there's this gym by us that has this speed and strength program for kids, and it's for kids ages seven and up. And my daughter needs to do preseason training for high school for field hockey. And my son does a lot of like working out stuff for basketball. And so... Um, I found out the speed school went all the way down till seven and my son who has the medical issues, they have some physical therapy there for him. And my daughter who's eight just is like a little fireball. She loves anything involving exercise. Um, <laughs> so I enrolled all four of my oldest kids in this speed, speed and strength school. And it meets, there's two sessions a day. It meets for two hours and they have childcare for my younger two. And it was so inexpensive with the summer special they were running. So I signed us all up for a few hundred dollars. And every day I get to go there and exercise and sit in their lounge lobby area for two hours without any children. Wow. <laughs> and I love it. And then all my older kids are all exercising and learning things and working out and being productive. And my younger ones really like the fun zone nursery they have. Wow, so that's neat. That's <laughs> <laughs> so is it's it a, a – It's a full like family gym. So they – I've never been part of a gym where they could take care of – like they have programs for all the different ages. So for our family, it works really nicely because everyone can be in the same place and be doing something that's productive and useful. I love that. Is that, um, what's the name of the gym? Is it just a, a local one or is there, is it like a chain? 
It's just a local one. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. it's actually part of the. I think it's like a. Its main function is actually it's a, a tennis club. Oh, okay. Um, but then they, they have like basketball courts and this whole like speed and strength team. Like they've built all these other things onto it. So, ironically, the one thing we don't use is the tennis courts. But oh, funny. <laughs> it's been, yeah. But it's been a real blessing to just have this program that everyone can use and. It's put me in a great mood because I've I've actually been exercising four to five days a week now because we all go together. That's great. I really love that. One of uh, the other guests I had on, um, she talked about how she loved the YMCA because for similar reasons, they have the child care so she can go and get her exercise in and then um, pick up her kids and just have that time each day to exercise, which is nice. So great. I love that. And my last question for you is, do you have any mom hacks to share? One of the things I will say is that, um, so it's the summer and my kids are all home and we have a, um, a summer checklist where, uh, basically the kids are not allowed to ask to go to the pool or to watch any sort of television or, you know, get on the computer in any way until their checklist is finished. Um, so that's been, you know, it's good to prevent nagging. Um, and it also, um, on the checklist, the one of my favorite items that we have on our summer checklist is what's called an organizational or deep cleaning task. And every kid has to do one a day. And it's usually a 10 to 15 minute task. And it's been really great. Like my oldest daughter is painting our basement. Wow. <laughs> and she just does it for like 15 minutes every day. And in like two weeks, she'll have painted the whole basement. That's neat. Um, and like my, um, you know, we have my younger kids, I give them one small patch of the garden and they have to weed for 15 minutes. So, um, it sounds like this little thing, but just the fact that they have to ask me what is one like outside the norm chore that I could do for 15 minutes to check this off my list. Mm -hmm. Um, we only make the oldest four kids do this, but it's really made our lives easier. That's great. I love that tip. That's awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I feel like I've received so much from this, and I know it's going to be a big help to all the listeners as well. So thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing your life with us. No problem. Thank you for your time and for thinking of me, and hopefully our experience helps helps somebody. (laughs) Definitely. Thank you. Let me go ahead and close us in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of our children. Help us to love and pray for and care for our families well today. And through that, Lord, that we could introduce our kids to your love and care and mercy. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of another day, and we offer you the tasks that lie ahead. Jesus, we love you, and we pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening in today. I wanted to mention again the beautiful vision for motherhood that Kelly talked about at the beginning of the episode, that we as moms are building cathedrals. Some parts of our work will go unnoticed. There are beautiful details and parts of the cathedral that no one ever sees, just as there are beautiful moments and details in motherhood and with our children that only we get to experience how amazing and special and how good is our God for having invited us into such a mission.
Thanks again for listening in today. And if you're a regular listener of the show, why don't you go ahead and subscribe in Apple Podcasts if you're on an iPhone, Google Podcasts if you're on an Android, or whatever podcast player you prefer. Then you'll be up to date and we'll never miss an episode. And if you'd want to leave a review while you're there, that'd be awesome too. Thanks friends. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.